Hello, dancers. I'm your host, Brittany Chalk, and you're listening to the A Dancer's Guide podcast, a podcast designed to inspire, inform, and empower dancers by sharing the experiences of industry professionals. You can follow us on Instagram at A Dancer's Guide Official, join our Facebook group, A Dancer's Guide Tableau, and check out our website, adancersguide.com, for all the latest news, upcoming events, podcast episodes, dance guidance, on-demand resources, and so much more. Wherever you are listening from, I hope this podcast sparks inspiration and lends useful advice to help you along your unique dance journey. Welcome back to A Dancer's Guide Podcast. This is part two of the Life of a Pro Performer episode with professional showgirl and advocate for self-development, Raquel Alder. Stay tuned as we dive into building your dance brand and discuss how the consumption of different media streams influence us. Well, continuing on on the same sort of lines here, building your brand. You know, I think we've probably all heard at one point or another, as dancers, we are our own brand. You know, we're our own little small business, but we're never really taught to build that brand or or what it even means, really. I found some really great articles online about building your brand, and I've included those links in the show notes. So if you scroll down, check them out. They're definitely worth a read if you're looking to enhance your brand. Um, But one blog post I found was on spinup.com. I think it's more of like a recording artist, musical artist blog, but I think it pertains. It stated that a brand is a visual representation of identity and the best artists in history are all about identity and identifying with their audience. And then another site, energeticsblog.com, they said that your brand is what someone says about you when you leave the room. And I love that. You know, it's about who you are inside the room and out of the audition room. And even if you haven't actively started to curate your own brand, it's already developing in the background. So you might as well take hold of that brand and take ownership of your brand as to not let others dictate who you are. And I think this can kind of go back to episode 26 about goals and mentorship, where it's important to define who you are before you start setting goals, because then they can align with the identity you wish to share with the world. So it all goes back to that. So what are some factors you would say that go into establishing one's dance brand? Well, I mean, it's, I think it's a huge, it's a huge topic in itself, you know, branding, you know? Oh yeah. Going back to what you were saying before, first of all, I like to think of branding as reputation. Mm. Really, reputation is another word for branding. As you said, it's something that is curating in the background, whether you know it or not. Yep. And it's about how you speak to people. It's about um, how you leave the room and what they say about you after you leave the room, you know, how you work with people, what people think about you as an artist or as a performer and how it is to work with you as a person, you know, that is branding. Um, reputation is branding. Yeah. So I think it's really important to Think about reputation and think, well, reputation isn't just what I do in the audition room or how I am at work in a, in a theatre company or in a professional setting, but it's also how I am outside of that too. You know, if I bump into somebody on the street that I've worked with before or if I bump into a casting director on the street or at a dance studio, you know, and you are disrespectful, maybe not purposefully, but if you are disrespectful in any way, that 
harms your branding, you know, as you would be at an audition. If you're warming up in the corridor and you're spread across the the floor and someone's trying to get past you, the pianist, for example, might be trying to get past you and you kind of give them a like, what are you, you're interrupting me kind of look then that is harming your branding, your reputation. And so I think Mm. it is for sure about being respectful and professional at all times. And then again, you know, branding can be different for one individual to another individual, depending on what their path is. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're just a professional dancer and you want to build a freelance dance career, then your branding is all about that, all about that reputation, you know, how you are with people, how you act with people, how talented you are, you know, what people say about you as a performer. If you're a performer transitioning into a different role, say you're transitioning into a choreographic role, then your branding is probably going to be all about how does your social media look? Do you have a choreographic reel that you can show to people, to prospective employers? So it's all about kind of looking at your pathway and saying what is appropriate branding for my specific journey. And as well, you know, being a brand, you know, and you're not taught that in college, but it's not just about being your own brand. It's about being a sole trader. And a lot of dancers don't even know what a soul trader is when they leave college. They go, what, what is that? And we're not taught that, you know, we're not taught how do we be a soul trader. We're taught in the studio, this is your technique. This is the style of dance you learn. This is, you know, stage left, stage right. right. You're not taught how to be a soul trader. And so that is what needs to come first. After you leave college, you need to be taught how do I be a sole trader? How do I deal with the business side of being a freelance performer? And then what pathway am I taking? Okay, due to this pathway, this branding suits me best. Or due to that pathway, this branding suits me best. So it's all about getting clarity on you and what, what your needs are as a performer, what pathway you're going to take. And then looking at that branding and going, right, boom, this is me. And it does kind of relate back to what you were saying about your previous episode, episode 26, you said about goal setting, you know, and I think as well, it's important to know that your branding will change as you change. Your branding will evolve as you evolve and as your goals would evolve as you as a person um, develop yourself and and grow. Yes. I think it's about being okay with that. Um, if you find yourself in a position where you go, okay, that branding's not really me anymore, then go with that. You know, don't be afraid to change and evolve your branding because you as an artist has evolved. So yeah, I think that's a little bit about branding and reputation and and telling performers not to forget. Yeah. Yeah. I love the parallel you drew (laughs) between the goals and you know, your brand evolving, you, you change, you, you don't just stay the same person, the same dancer, and it's okay. If things evolve, um, just change it when it feels right. Sure. And I think branding people think of like a logo or, you know, colors or something like that. And it can be a very like visual graphic thing that people think of. If a performer is building a website, right. It's like, Hmm, what colors do I use for this site? And, and I think for that, it's, it's about, 
you know, what colors do you like? Like what patterns do you like? And it's about you. It's your website. It's about your professionalism. My favorite colors were always, I mean, to put on the website were like a red, black and white sort of like aesthetic. I was, that was my thing. I I didn't like yellows or oranges. So that, that just didn't resonate with me, Mm -hmm. but red, I felt like, I think I wore red in like all of my headshots. I've like looked back at them. They're all red. And, and that just seems to be my color. And that was what I wanted to reflect as part of my brand. I recently worked with a dancer who loves like cheetah print and she, she just feels it and and she feels good in it. And she knows it's like, it's her. And she walks into an audition and it's like, you know, it's something that she could possibly be remembered by. She's got like a full cheetah, like top and leggings. And I'm just like, wear it. And like, if you're remembered for that outfit and you book the job because of it, like, hey, why not? Legit. Um, so it yeah. can be a visual as well as how you act and behave with people. Yes. There are visual ways to continue to establish a great brand. Absolutely. And just while you're touching on that point, you know, that is it. If you go into an audition and you're um, trying to come off as professional and and as the person that you want that casting director to hire, but your hair's all messy and you're, you're you know, you, you don't look pristine. Yeah. You know, that is, that is your branding. You know, if you look like you haven't showered that day, (laughs) that is not the brand you want to portray. Right. And so I think that is really important too. You know, how you show up to auditions, are you on time? What are you wearing? Are you in the correct dress for that specific type of audition? And finally, as you said, you know, do you pop in that audition? And I always say, I think it's really good to take two outfits to an audition. Mm. Because first of all, trends are trends. They will come, they will go. Oh yeah. And I think if the trend is to wear bright colors to get noticed in an audition room and everyone's wearing bright colors, then you're actually going to probably pop in, in all black or all white, you know, where everyone's wearing a sea of colors and you're just there, boom, professional black, look at me, then that might actually work for you. And vice versa, you know, if the trend is that everyone's trying to be clean and crisp and you're there wearing a bright yellow top, which is something that pops on your skin tone, then gorgeous. That's going to help you stand out. And that in turn is a part of your brand, you know, how do they remember you as a performer? Mm-hmm. And you're making that choice sure. that you're going to change your outfit and, and you're being a smart dancer that how am I going to stand out in this audition looking around the room before you get in? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good piece of advice Ooh, there. Tricks of the trade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, switching to our next topic, I want to talk about how our consumption of different media streams can influence our dance journey and furthermore, the people we become. So let's start with social media. How can endlessly scrolling through Instagram or Facebook impact our journeys? And this isn't to say that all of it's negative. I think there are some positives, um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I agree with that. I think, yeah, it's not all negative, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. When it comes to social media, I am probably not your best advocate for it because I have specific views on social media and that is the same as do you remember that show you are what you eat Hmm, no I've never heard of it I don't know if it was in could have been Australian I don't know but there was a show okay you are what you eat you know yeah signifying everything you put in your body you know if you're eating bad food your body's not going to be healthy right you are 
what you consume. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time is with. It's the same with what you consume on social media. You know, if you're scrolling all the time and you're just seeing rubbish headlines and negative content and drama and people getting aggressive with each other, you know, social media is one of the places, and this is the worst thing about social media for me, social media is one of the places where people feel like they can say whatever they want to anybody in the world and troll people and say horrible, horrible things to each other that they would never say in person. And they feel that they can get away with it because they're protected by a screen. And I really, really dislike that about social media. Just because you're on a social platform, it doesn't give you the right to tell people, you know, you're fat or you're ugly or all of these horrible things, you know? No. So I do think there's a hugely negative part about social media and, you know, body image is another one of those things, you know, Mm. everyone taking selfies and posing in a way that makes their body look good or editing their photos. Even I do think there's a lot of negativity when it comes to that side of social media, but in saying that, you know, you don't have to see that. And that's where I really try to customize my social media, I suppose, is making sure that I follow only the people that I want to see, you know, people I know that are going to post awesome content, things that are going to make me laugh, things are going to make me intrigued, things that are going to make me feel good about my day. You know, it's about finding those people that you want to follow and want to be a part of their journeys. And so I do think you can really have positive positive experiences on social media, but it's about really controlling that and not just following anybody, you know, follow for follow, follow for follow. Right. Really controlling that and making sure that you're seeing the best of the best in terms of what you want to see, not best of the best in terms of like, oh, she's the prettiest or she's the skinniest. Mm. Things that make you feel good as a person. Um, you know, and, and while we're on this point, one of the other kind of negative things I would say about social media is that your attention span now is so short because you're used to scrolling, seeing one thing like scroll, like scroll, like scroll. And it's your brain really struggles to kind of retain attention because of that. And we all have this, this is me down to a T. I'll go into social media knowing, okay, I have to do this or I have to whatever it is. I have a task in my head that I need to do. I get onto social media. I see the first picture and then I scroll and I completely in an instant forget what I was trying to do. Yep. I'll I'll be scrolling five minutes and I'll go, wait, I came on here for something. What did I come on here to do? Gone, you know, immediately. And that's what social media does to our attention span. So I really try to use social media with actual intention and actual purpose and go, right, I'm going onto Instagram right now because I need to post on the pro performer platform. I'm not going on there to scroll. And it's making sure that you have those times, you know, same with Facebook. I'm going onto Facebook right now to look at the casting groups. I'm going onto Facebook right now to post on the pro performer platform, Mm -hmm. making sure that you have your um, kind of goals for when you go on social media and not letting a scroll get in the way, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, at the end of the day, there's always room if you want to just jump on and just be like, right, chill time. <laughs> I'm just going to see what's happening with friends and family and have a good scroll. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's always a time and a place for it. But when it takes over, 
when it takes over completely, then that's, that's where the problems kind of start, I guess. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I think a lot of the times it leads to us comparing ourselves to other people Absolutely. and not feeling like we're doing enough or having, you know, FOMO, the fear of missing yeah. out on something. There's so many, so many things. I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media as well. Yes. It's like, you know, I want to post things for a dancer's guide, but equally like I do sometimes get sucked into the, the scroll mm-hmm. and it's like, I really have to tell myself, okay, Britt, put the phone down, yeah. um, like go do something else. You're, yeah. you're waste. I feel like I'm wasting time when I could be doing something else. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like that all the time. I, I get it as well. And, you know, you mentioned before, like how that kind of transforms you as a person, you know, yeah. if, if you are just spending so much time on your phone and just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and you're constantly seeing negative stuff, it's like that becomes a part of your life, you know? And it's like, it's forcing yourself to just be like, right, I need to take a social media detox and see who I am as a person without a phone, yeah. you know, without social media, without Instagram and really evaluate, you know, are these in line with my values? You know, do I really want to see half naked women on social media? Do I, you know, and here's the thing. It's like, I'm a dancer. Sometimes we're required to dance in costumes Mm. so I'm not saying that being half naked on social media is a bad thing however I think it's about as I said before you know what you as a person want to and don't want to see and also as well when you're when you're being met all the time on social media with negative comments you see in so many Facebook groups lots of backlash and people being so extremely mean and rude to each other and saying horrible comments and when you see that all the time, that becomes a part of your life. And over time, you will begin to think that that's okay. Mm. You know, you will see it, see it and see it and see it and begin to think that's okay. It's almost as if you were raised by really unnurturing, aggressive parents. You grow up as an adult to think that being unnurturing and aggressive is okay. You know, so it's like, it's about being really aware of what type of person you want to be and also aligning what you're consuming, whether it be food, social media, TV shows, any type of media, what you're consuming, does that align with the person that you want to be? You know, so yeah, I just think it's important to be aware of that. There's obviously room, you know, for social media and all all different TV shows and all this kind of stuff, but it's about being aware, you know, what do I want to consume? Absolutely. And, And I think it's important that you said, you know, you can choose what you consume. It's your choice. Because I think that then goes into a positive of social media is you can choose to view the content as an inspiration, a, a boost to, I want to be, if you, if you see another dancer post a video, maybe you want to aspire to be at their level. It's all about how yes. you perceive it and how you view it. Um, mm-hmm. Because another person could look at it and say, gosh, I'll never be that good and get discouraged. So what mindset are we in while we're also looking at the social media is super important. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I usually never like open it when I first wake up because I'm usually not, I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm not in a good mood yet. Um, and it's probably going to affect me more than it should yeah. just because I've just woken up. Mm-hmm. So I really try to 
not do that in the mornings and and choose my time. And I've said this to some people and it really like baffles them, but I've turned off all of my Instagram notifications. Like I don't get push notifications to my phone. Like I choose when I go on and what I see when I see it. So I recommend that to everyone. (laughs) Yes. I do the same thing too, you know, and it's like life changing, you know, if you have that off and then you turn that on again, the anxiety mm, yep. is real, you know, have it off. It's so much nicer. Choose when you want to see it. Yeah. And it's like the only person that really needs to contact me is like my husband, my mom, you know, like they can call me. They don't need like social media. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, continuing on, um, what about media consumption in the form of TV and movies? A bit different than social media. I think a lot of TV dance on TV is a lot of like competition or reality shows um, where it's not really about the best dancer, but sometimes turns into a popularity contest, which is unfortunate. And then movies, I think is interesting because, you know, we have streaming platforms, Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever. We can just watch movies on demand all the time, uh, whenever we want. And having that access to those types of movies and and the amount of dance movies that have come out in recent years with these massive ensembles I think makes it exciting for dancers mm-hmm. to be like this is a this is a path I could take you know it's hard work don't don't get me wrong <laughs> it's it's work to get into a, a land of movie role yeah. but it seems like there's more opportunities mm-hmm. for dancers if they want to go that route and I love that it is yes. so accessible that like this is a potential path for you um so what are your thoughts tv and movies go <laughs> yeah absolutely you know as you said it opens more opportunity and I think this is where it's really important to be as versatile as you possibly can as a performer mm you know because you want to be ready for opportunities you want to get the work in and movies being a um another door for you as a performer that is really really amazing but it's important to be versatile because you never know what they're going to ask it's not like a ballet company where you know you're going to be asked to do ballet or contemporary it's going to be you know a range of different things if you're asked um to be in the movie scene or the movie area. So I do think it's really great for work as performers. Um, I have a gorgeous friend, Matthew Petty. He is in the new adventures company by Matthew Bourne. And he has spent quite a lot of time doing TV work and he was in the nutcracker and he was explaining to me what an incredible, incredible experience it was. I, don't know how it rated as an actual movie, but as a performer in a movie like that, you've got that credit on your resume forever, you know, and that helps you build a positive reputation, whether the movie was good or not, you know, that helps you build a positive reputation. And so I do think being in movies and, and movie work is a really exciting prospect for dancers these days. When it comes to TV and movies, Um, in terms of consumption, I feel it's quite the same as my views on social media. You know, I think everyone loves to sit down with like a good show, something that they enjoy, whether it's trash TV or edutainment, you know, here's my confession. I love the Kardashians. (laughs) Like I love keeping up with the Kardashians. That is my like reality TV binge. Yeah. Um, And I do 
absolutely think there's so room for that for everyone, you know. But if that is all you're watching, if you're watching Kardashians followed by The Bachelor, followed by Love Island, followed by whatever other TV shows there are, the Desperate Housewives, Real Housewives of yeah. Atlanta, whatever, whatever else there is, yeah. you know. If you're constantly just spending your time watching um, kind of trash TV shows, as I call it, I think there's a point where it can be damaging, you know, and it, and it, as I said before, if you surround yourself with that all the time, then that is crafting you into a person that thinks, you know, slapping someone on the beach saying, Oh my God, you stole my boyfriend is an appropriate behavior, you know? And then you, you turn into a person who is then one day most likely going to have children. And then are you teaching your children that it's okay to, you know, slap people across the face and, and, be a drama queen you know so I think it's about choosing what you want to watch and whether that is going to add value to your life or in essence maybe dumb you down is a word that you could use because I think there's a lot of shows out there that don't do good for people all it really does for people is allow them to pass time or kill boredom so I think the same thing with movies and TV, you know, choose what you want to watch um, and have those binge shows, but make sure it's in moderation, you mm. know. Yeah. And then, you know, dance competition shows, you know, all of that as well. That is a whole different kind of world, I think. You know, I had a dance teacher who went on to So You Think You Can Dance and it was very much like, they had a contract to cry on a specific episode, to <gasps> literally cry on a specific episode. So, you know, the whole sob story thing. And I think, you know, it is really, as you said before, sometimes more of a popularity contest and, you know, it's there for ratings. It's not there to create incredible professional dancers. So I feel a bit um, love-hate with, with all of those dance shows as well. However, you know, if you are a dancer on one of those shows and it gets you exposure and you have a positive experience there, then that is fantastic, you know, and if that opens opportunities for you, then that's really amazing. But as you said, you know, sometimes it's not about that. Sometimes it's not about being the best dancer. Sometimes it's about a popularity contest. I've seen shows, I think I was in Germany when I watched um, another type of dance show like So You Think You Can Dance and the gentleman who won was a great performer but he was not I wouldn't call him technically skilled Mm. he was just a great performer but then he was up against other performers who were in in a professional dancer's opinion technically skilled a fantastic performer you know they had the whole package and it was the gentleman that won who was just a good performer not technically skilled but from a non-dance audience point of view. Right, exactly. Not yes. from a trained professional dancer point of view, you know. So that's kind yeah. of what bugs me a little bit is you watch those shows as a professional and you go, that girl was incredible. So why did it go to that person who wasn't as skilled? And, it, and in those cases, it is a popularity contest. So yeah, I think, you know, if you're a dancer looking to, participate in those shows I think it's about having like having an open mind and understanding like okay they might ask me to cry or have a sob sob story ready and you have to be willing to deal with that if you're going to go into those types of shows but it is a fantastic way to get 
exposure. So yeah, it's about how you look at it and what is um, important for you at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely have my opinions about all those <laughs> dance competition shows. I yeah. loved them when they first came out, especially So You Think You Can Dance. And yeah. I mean, Travis was robbed second season. <laughs> <laughs> I will always stand by him. You'll um, never forget that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I auditioned, I think two seasons. I don't know. I was in New York and I just went. It was actually, it was super fun. I got through like the first few rounds. Amazing. And like the energy and like the producers and whatnot, like the whole like theater is just really cool. You get to meet a lot of da- different dancers. But I mean, there's ugh, so many people that come to audition. Like no one really ever makes it to the lives. And there's so much, yeah. there's like so many rounds that happen before you even get to TV. Yeah. But like when I started watching them, when I was young, when they first came out, yeah. it was like, I thought they were just like dancers from their hometowns and they're just auditioning and they're so great and blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of came up and got into the professional world and realized, oh, these people have like been on Broadway and like in movies and like they're already professionals. And I thought that was unfair. <laughs> but I, I guess maybe maybe it was a naive of me to think that they weren't already professionals. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think that's how they portrayed them as like yeah. they're just this unfound talent in the middle of, you know, the Midwest. Yes. And, and now they're here and they're big stars and we've created them. And for me, I was like, yeah, like I want to do that. And so it was kind of like that false hope a little bit there um unfortunately for me but yeah I mean so many people have gotten so much exposure from so you think you can dance even if you just make it to tv you've got footage at you know you could add it to your reel or something you've you've gotten to the next level so you know pros and cons to everything of course definitely yeah what about new types of media platforms um like TikTok. Wow. <laughs> how has TikTok influenced how we perceive dancers and ourselves as professionals? Wow. I mean, TikTok. I, <laughs> uh, this is again, like another topic that maybe I am not the best advocate for because I do not even own a TikTok. No, me neither. And you know, I'm happy to say that I don't own a TikTok. I think one thing that has boiled my blood a little bit as a professional is you see everyone going onto TikTok doing these like little trendy dances. They do like a couple of arm movements and they are then known as like a dance influencer. Mm -hmm. And you go, girl, okay. I spent 14 years in training. I spent however much (laughs) money on my college education and you go Uh onto TikTok for 10 minutes and you are a dancing sensation and you know right you have one video that goes viral and you're like the most professional dancer in the entire world (laughs) oh my gosh I mean I'm sure it's not just me in the dance industry that feels that way I'm hoping it's not just me because no 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 I I agree we might get heat for this we might get heat for this you know (laughs) don't come for us guys but I, I do think you know you you train and train and train and you work so hard to be the definition of perfect as a technical dancer you know and platforms like this come along and people just do some little trendy dance and are suddenly huge in the dance industry and it's it's really tough because you know that when watching somebody do a little TikTok dance that if they were to do that at a dance audition, there's no way that they would be. There's no comparison. There is no comparison. Um, no. But 
that's not the only negative that I feel about TikTok is I feel that the younger generation of dancers is growing up seeing TikTok and using TikTok and and growing up with their with these cameras in their faces all the time. You know, I've seen so many accounts on Instagram where you know some dance mom is literally filming their child 24/7 trying to get them to do, you know, crazy flexibility things to go viral or to get more popular to get more followers and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and it it does make me wonder you know what is that doing to your child and what type of traits are they going to grow up with are they going to be more selfish than people our generation were as kids you know because we didn't have cameras in our faces 24 mm-hmm. 7 you know the the most we had were like old school camcorders you know and those were heavy they were legit yeah yeah they came out on like Christmas right maybe you know but it's like you know how are how are these kids being raised and what traits are they going to have that we didn't you know mm. are they going to be more self-centered people I don't know you know and it's I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at all but I it just makes me intrigued and interested about how life and technology has evolved since our generation and what these changes are doing to these kids growing up. Having a camera in your face all the time is going to have other issues, you know, whether that be body image issues or Mm. mental health issues really with that. So I don't know. I think TikTok is another trend and I think there are far too many young kids on there trying to become famous mm-hmm. with their you know TikTok dancers and all that kind of stuff and I do think for myself it's not it's not a platform I'm willing to touch you know yeah no I agree I, I had a conversation with a colleague the other day about teaching and how we find that the kids just want to do like TikTok dances And they think that anything we're teaching them foundationally is like stupid or not cool. And it's like, if, but if I put in like some one little TikTok move, they're like, this is the best. And so that's frustrating. I think for the teachers, I I feel like, oh, I'm completely out of touch with what kids are learning. But I think the foundations of dance are the foundations of dance. Like irreplaceable. it's, It's all well and good. People have fun on TikTok. There are professional dancers who use the platform and that's fantastic. For the people that kind of do the waist up armography, armography. it's like, and they're classed as professional dancers or dance influencers. It's like, really? I know. (laughs) Um, And that, yeah, I I agree. That's kind of a bugbear for me. And I'm sure there are other people out there that like it. Again, it's just how you perceive it. Equally, this could be part of your brand is, are you on TikTok? Are you using that to your advantage to showcase, you know, more of your dance skills? Are you using it for a dance reel? Stuff like that. So again, I... I can find the positives and the negatives and almost everything, yeah. but it's just about how each person perceives it. For sure. And I th- is what's important. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think as well, it's about the level that you're at as well. Mm. And if you're maturely, if you're mature enough and, and mentally developed enough to be able to deal with being on those platforms, because it's yeah. not just all sunshine and rainbows. You will no. be met with, you know, maybe nasty comments. You will be met with, that feeling of, oh, I didn't get enough likes. And, you know, yes. that is a legit thing, you know. 
is it dopamine when you get a like on Facebook, you get a dopamine release in your brain that goes, oh, yay, it makes, it's that happy feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, I think, you know, feel free to use TikTok. If you're a professional dancer and, and you are technically skilled and all of that, use that if that's something you want to use for your brand. But to, to have little children growing up using TikTok and you know, even teenagers, it's like mm. I do think parents need to be wary of how much their kids are using these platforms and what type of people it is carving them into yeah yeah no I agree are there any other types of media that you can think of that we consume that could affect us one thing I thought of obviously YouTube which could also be viewed as like a educational thing like there's so many tutorials on there Mm -hmm. people can learn dances people can be exposed to choreographers around the world they can learn their choreography in their living rooms such a great resource but again like we've said I think through all of the different media streams, it can also have negative impacts. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I love me some YouTube, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, as you said, you know, you can learn so much off YouTube. As I said mm. before, I've been watching one TED talk every working day since the start of the year. And yeah. that's because of YouTube, you know, and even when I was building the pro performer platform, it's like, I really wanted to build it the way I wanted to build it. And And I had to turn to YouTube for a lot of stuff, website development, coding, like SEO, email marketing, so much stuff I learned from YouTube. And I think that is really great. Yeah. There is also the other side of it where, you know, you get sucked in and you can sit for 120 episodes watching somebody build a shipping container house in Texas. (laughs) And I swear I haven't done that, (laughs) but you know, it's just like, yeah, you get sucked into that vortex. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. got the same, the Netflix kind of black hole. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got the same yeah. uh, issues YouTube does, but at the same time, you know, as we've said before, you just need to be conscious, you know, is it okay for me to sit down and, and watch seven hours of this TV show? Yes. <laughs> no, maybe. I don't know. It's about um, moderation, you know, and don't get me wrong, like I love a lazy Sunday. If mm. it's been like a month since I've like really just let myself chill and just sit down and binge some show, then I'll be like, cool, like today is the day. Yeah. At the same time, that is the minority of my time. You know, I'm always making sure that like, right, I'm going onto YouTube, I'm watching this. Cool, happy, I want to watch this educational program. I always try and keep everything educational or um edutainment as they call them Mm. if I want to just hang out and watch a movie with dinner instead of just watching like I don't know something that's not going to add value to me I'll go okay what documentary can I watch tonight and Mm. it's just like and but that is just my personal preference you know I really enjoy learning and developing myself and I know that if you said to someone like you have to learn and develop yourself from 9am till 7pm at night every day for the next year, then they would go like, Oh my God, that's too much for me. Mm. I do that because I enjoy that. You know, I enjoy like learning and, and, and that's just me. So yeah, because I think it can also be like a, an escape for people to just like watch TV or Netflix or YouTube that's just like mindless. You don't really have to think about it. You just want to switch off for a little bit, but 
all in moderation. You don't want to be sitting there for, like you said, seven hours and like feel like then you've wasted your own time. Yes. Yeah. I think as well, though, you know, if if that's what you need, then then just think for a second, you know, do I need to literally switch off by watching this show? Do I need to veg on the couch by watching this show? Or would it be better for me to literally sit down in silence for a minute? You know, how often do we in the modern world sit down in silence? If you could literally just go, right, I'm not going to watch this show tonight, but I am going to sit down for the amount of time that I was going to watch this show. And I'm just going to be silent with myself. I'm just going to breathe, you know, Mm. even if it's just for 10, 20 minutes during the day, it's like, how often do you do that? And it's such a powerful thing. You know, there is studies about how meditation can actually help you live a happier life and lower your anxiety. There's so many different health benefits to meditation. Mm. So it's just thinking, you know, tonight, do I really need to watch Bake Off (laughs) or can I? just sit down just for 20 minutes and just breathe and just meditate and Mm -hmm. just bring my mind back to my center rather than just filling my mind with more media. Absolutely. Especially for people that want to achieve a lot. I've read that a lot of big time CEOs, they put meditation into their schedules because they have so much going on. They have meeting after meeting, whatever they have. I'm not a CEO, so I don't know. Um, (laughs) But whatever their schedule contains, they take time for themselves to just like have that 20 minutes of like, okay, bring it back to myself. It kind of then just opens up like more room for you to achieve more. You have more brain space and power, I think. Absolutely. I like to take time for myself and I usually do some sort of like stretching while I'm doing it as a dancer, of course. But that just helps like my body and my mind connect and recharge. So definitely. Well, your brain does lose its power throughout the day. You Mm. know, willpower is a muscle. Like it physically, you wouldn't say it is a muscle, but you would, you would treat willpower as a muscle and you would know that it does lose its energy throughout the day. If you make so many difficult decisions during the day, or you're studying, or you're working on a project that takes a lot of mind power, you will feel mentally depleted at the end of the day. Yeah. So to, to take that time to really recuperate your mind and think, right, I have been working really hard. Let me just take a minute and just breathe and bring myself back to my center. Then I just, I really think that's a important thing, particularly as well for dancers, because I know we might not be in a time at the moment where we're in rehearsals daily, we're performing nightly, you know, it's not the same um, schedule at the moment. But when we do go back to that, it's really important to take that time for yourself because we are athletic yeah. people. We are in athletic jobs and we expend a lot of energy doing our jobs. Our body is our job. But also at the same time, our brain is making all of that happen. You know, in an audition, your brain is working so quickly to make you pick up that choreography as fast as you can so that you can come across to the panel as, you know, the dancer that they need to hire. And your brain at working at that speed, it needs to recuperate as well. So that's where I think meditation is a really good tool for that, for that recuperation. Amazing. Amazing. Well, as you said, Everyone has their own self-development journey. What would be your final piece of advice for dancers who are trying to navigate the professional industry and their own personal growth? I think 
as I said before, you know, it's just about like finding clarity on what pathway you want to take, mm. um, what kind of resonates with you the most. You know, do you love Latin? Do you love contemporary? And, and putting yourself in the position to receive those opportunities, you know, going to classes, like move to the big city, make sure you're in, in the industry, involving yourself in the industry. And that way you're going to meet people because this industry really is about networking. You know, it's about people you meet along the way. You go to an audition, you get in front of this casting agent's eyes. You go to another audition, you get in front of other people's eyes, you know, and it's about building that brand, building that reputation throughout your journey. So that's what I would recommend is really just involve yourself in the industry and you will, with commitment and determination, make it in the industry. You just have to commit and be resilient and know that you'll have rejection coming your way, but getting back up every time and and saying, you know, I can do this, I can do this. It's about self-talk as well, you know. What do you say to yourself? Do you think you can do it? Because if you do, chances are you will do it. But if you don't think you can do it, chances are you won't do it. So really feed yourself with that supportive talk that you need because you will need it and putting yourself in the industry to make it in the industry. Yeah, I love that. Well, do you have any plans or aspirations for your future that you'd love to share with us? Oh my gosh, Uh, that's a big (laughs) question. Um, You know, for the moment, I wanted to build the Pro Performer platform so that I could do it alongside my dance career and I as we were saying before I do think it's important to at the moment keep myself in the industry so that I can transfer that information over to to younger performers who are looking to build a career in the industry because as you said you know times have changed and things aren't as the same as they were when we both started so I think I will try to continue my career just a little bit longer. Yeah. A few more showgirly contracts. I mm. love showgirl work. Showgirl is yeah. my jam. So I'll try and just do that for a little bit longer. Um, as for the Pro Performer platform, we've got a course coming out soon, which I'm so excited for. It's really about auditions, but it talks a lot about the brain, how the brain works when we're in auditions, um, how you can prepare for auditions. Uh, goal setting, all of this stuff. There is so much stuff in this course and I'm really excited for it. Um, And that's going to be coming out this year, which is really, really fun. But as for in the future, like future Raquel, I am all about feeling the moment, feeling where I want to be, what I want to do. And I think that is the beauty of being a freelancer is you have the room to do that and decide, you know, this is my new goal. That is my new goal. And that's it. It's, it's, it's important to have those new goals because when you reach one goal and then you don't have another goal, you feel lost. And I have felt that before. So I really try now to make sure that I've always got my sights set on a new moment, a new goal, a new aspiration. So the whole of last year that that new goal for me was building this course, which I'm so excited for. And so the next aspiration, I'll get back to you. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Perfect. TBD. Haven't finished the course yet though. So, you know, still working on that a lot. But mm. yeah, other than that, it would just be getting back into the industry and making this industry healthy again, you know, yeah. and, and helping performers push through this really tough time. And, um, and yeah, you know, we'll see. Bring it on. I'm so excited. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, we've covered so much information in this episode. Would you mind sharing some of your details so that listeners can check out everything that you're up to? Yeah, I'm sure they'd love to connect with you. Yeah, amazing. So for the Pro Performer platform, come visit me. I'm over at www.pro-performer.com and you can find all different types of information on that website, how to write invoices, how to build a website portfolio for your dance career, how to build a choreographic reel. There's so many different dance industry guidance articles on there. So please come check them out. Leave comments, say hi. I'm so interested to see um, all the dancers that come along and say hi. Um, And then come say hi on Instagram as well. You can find me at Pro Performer Platform on Instagram and Facebook give me a DM, let me know how you're doing. Um, And yeah, I think as well, if you want to find me on my normal Instagram, I'm Raquel.Alder. But as we were saying before, Brittany, I like have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So it's like I tend not to spend so much time on my personal one and use my social media energy on my professional one. (laughs) Yeah, but, no, makes sense. But yeah, you know, if you ever want to come and say hi, that's where I'll be. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the Adventures Guide podcast. Your stories are incredible, and I'm sure it's going to inspire so many dancers. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Brittany. You're the best. Such a pleasure. Thank you for sticking around for part two of this conversation. Raquel gave me a lot to think about, and I hope you can also step away from this podcast with a more well-rounded view of how to approach different areas of self-development. If you'd like to continue this conversation, feel free to connect with me at adancersguide00 at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at adancersguideofficial. On the next episode, we'll be talking about choreographing, and I'll be joined by choreographer and director John Carafa, who has worked on some of the biggest TV and film sets and whose roots stem from the Twyla Tharp Dance Company. If you have dreams of becoming a choreographer, the next episode is definitely for you always remember, stay confident, be humble. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.